So the voice memos changed with the last upgrade, and now you have to have like two parts to each recording instead of it continuing. So, how's everybody feeling so far? Is it a lot of information? Is it too much or feels fine? I'm sad that I've done so much damage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that's what you're supposed to feel like at this point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there's always purification, which is very helpful. And we've also done amazing good to be here and to even be able to hear these ideas or want to spend our time doing it. I never saw this movie. Did, did anybody see this? Was it really good? I think it's first starting a conversation about emotions is probably really good. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it'd be huge if we learned those things as kids. Amazing. To be able to correctly identify emotions would just be... Yeah. Um, he's really cute, though. <laughs> you know, like he's... Okay, I have to see it. I just never remember. Is it called, like, Inside Out? Inside Out. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, okay, we're still talking about anger, obviously. Um, even the little meme. Okay, so. As we mentioned before, a single occurrence of anger focused at a bodhisattva destroys the store of good karma from the root, like lifts it up. And I was helping my mom weed this weekend in the garden. It's really hard to even get weeds up by the root, some of them. So you have to have like the right tools and you have to be able to, I don't even know because I don't think I got it, but you have to be able to like twist it the right way and then pull it out. Um, so that's kind of what we're learning here are the right tools. So say Jangchub Sempa, La Mikpe, Kongcho Chiki, Getsa Sawane Jon. So that's um, a single occurrence of anger focused at a bodhisattva destroys the store of good karma from its root. And then the question is, what is it that triggers anger? We'll get to the next retention here. Okay, so this is the next contemplation. And close your eyes. 
anger feeds on the food of being upset, then strengthened turns to smash me. And so then I will smash the sustenance that feeds this enemy of mine. My foe knows no other kind of work at all except to cause me pain. No matter what happens, I will never allow my joy to be disturbed. Feeling upset cannot accomplish my hopes and only makes me lose the goodness that I have. And this is telling us that getting upset is what triggers our anger. That bad feeling that we start to get when something doesn't go our way or when we get something that we don't want, that it's not actually anger yet. We're looking at the, the precursor to it. We'll be able to then identify, okay, I'm starting to feel a little irritated or a little upset. I know what comes next. I'm gonna just cut it off here. So at this point, we're not getting to full-blown anger out of the blue and having no idea what happened and just being swept away by it. We're able to identify, okay, I know this feeling, this irritation, this feeling of upset, this comes before that blow up. So I'm gonna stop it here. It's like getting off, bank, getting off balance is what feeds our anger like feeding a wild animal. You can think of your anger like, I mean, this guy looks like a wild animal, kind of, right? <laughs> and that's what we're like when we're angry, just totally out of control. <laughs> so if we feed our anger and then allow our mind to get upset, or if we feed our anger by allowing our mind to get upset, then it's like we're giving anger something to eat. We're giving it sustenance. And then the more off balance we get, anger is strengthened, and then it's like feeding a wild animal. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Master, Sa Master Shanti Deva says, let's starve it and then it'll die. Mm -hmm. And we starve it by not getting upset. And this is a really helpful point. Even after just prepping for this, I was able to start practicing it more. So some of these will really stick with you. And just take hold of those that do and practice them whenever you can. And this is really easy to say um, and, and not so easy to do. But then next, Master Shanti Deva goes on to say why getting up, even getting upset is really stupid and totally useless. It doesn't get us what we want. Um, it usually makes the situation worse. And, getting, and it doesn't help us avoid what we don't want either. So it doesn't bring us what we want. It doesn't help us avoid what we don't want. So just stopping it. Just totally stop getting upset at all. What would it be like even to just try it for a day or a week or a few hours? And now Master Shantideva says that really the sweetest verse in all of Buddhism. It's really beautiful. So the way that 
His Holiness the Dalai Lama says it is <laughs> I just felt like she, like she fit for some reason. I think it's she. Um, say Gyalte, Chusu, Yunani, De La Migar, Shishikyu. If you can fix it, so this is the this is the translation of it. You can fix it about that, get upset, what's the point? Basically, if you have a problem that you can do something about, why get upset? If you can do something about the problem, what is the point of getting upset about it? You just do it. Logically, it may, it's logically very sound. It makes complete sense. If you can do something about a problem, why get upset about it? You just go and fix it. And then the next, the second half is Gyalte Chusu. Mina Ni. De La Miga. J Chipen. If you can't fix it, what's the use of getting upset? There's nothing you can do about it. How does getting upset help anything? What is, what's the use of even doing it? Why? And really, it's completely true. There's no situation where it ever helps to get upset. It doesn't change it. It doesn't push whatever's coming up away. You know, it doesn't, like, push the joker back into the box or whatever those little things are that pop up. It doesn't bring us what we want. It's just, it's just totally useless. And then what this would look like in our life, so maybe we want to get someone in trouble at work or we want to get someone fired or something like that. We go and talk to the boss about it and they won't fire the other person. What is the point of being upset about it? Is, it, is that going to change anything? It's mostly just going to make us unhappy. It's not going to make the boss then want to, maybe maybe it's just disciplining the, the person or transferring them somewhere else. It's not going to change their mind about it. Either situations are fixable or they're not fixable. And if they're not fixable, there's no point in being upset. If they are fixable, then just fix it. It's kind of, I think sometimes we really just like the drama. In a sense, like the drama of uh, throwing a tantrum about something or being upset about it. So really being upset about anything, our life, our body, the things that happen to us, the things that don't happen to us, it doesn't help anything and we should really just stop it so that we don't get angry. That's why we're talking about being upset, so that we don't then graduate to being angry, which can destroy all those good karmic seeds and have all those negative effects.
then I'll reread what we just went over. Anger feeds on the food of being upset, then strengthened, turns to smash me. And so then I will smash the sustenance that feeds this enemy of mine. My foe knows no other kind of work at all except to cause me pain. No matter what happens, I will never allow my joy to be disturbed. Feeling upset cannot accomplish my hopes and only makes me lose the goodness that I have. If there is something you can do about it, why should you feel upset? If there is nothing you can do about it, what use is being upset? This is a really good one to remember and say to yourself when, you, when you're starting to feel upset. Is there something I can do about this? Yes. Okay, then I'll just do it. Is there something I can do about this? No. Okay, then I'll just move on. Then what's the point of being upset about it? Okay, basically this practice is talking about keeping your joy. And the antidote to getting upset is maintaining joy. Um, even if everyone around you is stressed out and upset, you don't jump on the bandwagon. You still maintain your joy. It's not like it has to be in an obvious, obnoxious way if everyone else is upset, you know? <laughs> but. But in one sense, you're maintaining your joy, maybe not in a really visible way. And for the purpose of getting out of this whole cycle of suffering, because everybody else at least appears to be in the same predicament. So you're getting out for yourself so that you can then help other beings do the same. And the way that enlightened beings help uh, is by teaching. So it's not that you'll be able to micromanage everybody else's life or something like that. He'll just share, hey, this worked for me, this is how it works. Maintaining your joy is a good way to shield yourself from being influenced by the mental afflictions of people around you too. Which really happens when you're around people who are in a really bad mood or complain, or maybe you sit by someone at work who complains all day long or something like that. So joy is a good way to shield yourself from that because um, it infects you. It really does. You can, you can keep your joyfulness and happiness and refuse to be sucked into someone else's mental afflictions. And then by keeping your joy, you won't get upset and then you won't get angry, and then you won't see your world turning really crappy. First, understanding that getting upset does nothing to help you. Second, if you can fix it, do it. Third, if you can't, just let it go and don't worry. So easy to say. It is really hard to practice if it's a really strong emotion or something that you're super attached to. And thinking in terms of these two quotes, this is what will help you keep your joy.
Okay, let's do the next contemplation. This one's kind of short. There's nothing in the world which does not come easily if you make a habit of it. Make then a habit of bearing the small pains and thus endure the greater. Most of these quotes, they start out with a question, and then someone says something along the lines of, okay, Master Shantideva, but you don't know my situation. And then he comes back and, and answers some more and gives some more details. Now he says, look, the way you look at things comes from habit and only habit. So if you develop a habit of anything, of seeing things in a certain way, you can see them any way that you want to. And at first, it's kind of prescribed or um, forced or feels like you're just like pasting a label on top of something or a different frame, a different way of seeing it. But then over time, it starts to automatically come up that way and then it starts to feel really real that way. So in one situation, maybe we were always getting upset and then we start to slowly turn away from that, see it in a different light, and then as time goes on, the upset feeling doesn't even come up, and it's only this new habit that we've created that comes up. So it's kind of rocky in the beginning when we're creating a new habit, but then, and we've all done this many times in our lives, but in this sense, with anger or being upset, rocky at first and then it becomes just natural just like going to the gym you work up strength over time you don't just go all out the first time and basically the point is that you start small with changing these habits you start with really small things um, like little small things that piss you off at work and you work on your mind with that. You don't go crazy and go jump on the biggest frustrating thing in your life. It'll be, it'll be too much and you'll probably lose um, confidence or motivation. You know? So it's good if it's a new practice, start with something small and get the small things down really well and then it'll naturally just grow and grow and grow. And it's encouraging to see the small things work too. So just logically too, think about how much time you could save if you didn't ever get angry. Just never getting angry. It be you would save so much time. All I mean, yeah, all of us probably would. And what, what he's saying here in this text is all mental attitudes or habits that come from practice. 
just practicing over and over and over. Everything mental comes only from habit, and practicing it brings perfect. So all of the different ways that we perceive things is our mental habit. And there's absolutely no habit that we can't cultivate. There's no quality of mind that we can't cultivate if we work on it. And if we start small and then work up bigger and bigger. So anything that we want to cultivate, anything we admire in other people or wish that, that we were able to do, we can do any of it. It's just that we have to work on it. We just have to start. And these habits are the very root of the way that we see our world. And then by starting small, we get used to bearing the small irritations that come up. And then we're able to bear, at a certain point, the really big ones. And we can see this in other people, too. Some people, something really big happens, and they're totally fine with it. Some people, something small happens, and it's like this huge disaster. They can't even handle something small. You know, and sometimes I'll... There's other things involved, you know, like there's a lot of small things happening. It's just too much. But from the side of the problem, the problem's not necessarily big. It's not necessarily small. It's not necessarily overwhelming. It's our experience of it. And I work with someone who has like um, an amazing positive outlook. I can go to her in any situation, she'll see something really positive that, that seems actually true. Like, she doesn't seem delusional or, you know, like, people who are like, yeah, whatever, that's not really true. They're just, you know, they're just, like, totally, like... <laughs> but she really, every situation, she sees some amazing goodness in it, and it's com- it seems completely valid to me, too. And it's not something that I would ever see. And it's because she practices it. I've been wanting to ask her how she practices it, too. Because she really does anything she can see the positive in it. It's a, it's a really great, great thing to cultivate. And there'll be a time in our spiritual career where we can withstand any insult, anything that comes up, and still have joy. So I'll reread the, the contemplation that we just did. There's nothing in the world which does not come easily if you make a habit of it. Make then a habit of bearing the small pains and thus endure the greater. And it really makes sense if we can't even deal with you know, like our coffee not coming out exactly the way we want it, then we're not going to be able to deal with something big that happens. Or, you know, because that's really a small thing. So starting with the small and then just working our way up. In the quote where he says, nothing in this world, that refers to our mental habits and that we can change them.
this with the next one. Okay, next contemplation. Some, when they catch sight of their own blood, rise to a higher ferocity. Some, when they see another person's blood, faint and fall unconscious. All of this derives from either steadfastness or cowardice in the mind. Learn then to disregard harms and never allow any pain to touch you. Hurt may come, but the wise never let suffering cloud their clarity of mind. Master Shantideva likes to use the example of warfare. And you see some people in battle, I mean in theory, and they get um, their arms slashed and they get more fierce. Then, or you see a really good boxer and they get cut and they get pissed off and they fight even stronger. And then some people go to the doctor and they see a small drop of blood and they fall unconscious. That's me, really. <laughs> it really is. And, and what is that? Is one person's body harder or softer than the other person? Is the needle at the doctor different for one person than the other? It's not, it's the same then where would the difference be? And the difference is in their mind. It's the way they see it. It's not that they're choosing to see it that way in the moment. There's past karmic seeds that are forcing them to experience their world that way. Um, but we can change those seeds. We're not saying that we can just decide in that moment, oh, this isn't going to hurt, or oh, I'm not going to pass out when I get a shot. But he's using this as an example. So the difference is all mental. Patience is a state of mind. And we can get to a point where the more our life starts to go worse, then we get more and more inspired. Like the warrior who gets cut and then fights even stronger. So it's like we're a spiritual warrior. And when something gets difficult or goes not the way we want it to, then we're more and more motivated. We get more and more inspired to practice. Or we can be like the coward or, you know, somebody who sees a drop of blood in the analogy and passes out. And the more things come that we don't want, then we whine and we get upset, which is just like we're talking about with being upset, it's just a waste of time. If the negative things or the challenges are coming anyways, we might as well use them and um, get them to light our practice on fire. Like, I have to do this. Everyone else is experiencing these things happening too. 
I have to I have to practice. I have to get over this anger so that I can then be of some use to people, even just in a relative sense. I'm of no use to people if I'm upset and angry about something. Other people are either trying to avoid me or they have to try to help me. Really, we're just building up mental strength. And like we were saying, everything that we see or perceive are just a matter of our mental habits. Everything can be changed. It's all a habit. There's nothing that's fixed in the world. We can see it however we want in a certain way. guys have any questions on anything so far? I don't know if it's really like question material. I mean, I don't know if we're going to question not getting angry, but <laughs> but we probably all do. Okay. Next contemplation. We're locked in combat with mental afflictions, and in war many wounds are sustained. Ignore then any pains that might come. Smash the foes of anger and such. Conquering these is the thing that makes a warrior. The rest are killing only corpses. Basically, we've declared war on the big enemy, which is jealousy, anger, pride, which started last course. Um, and Master Shandi Davis says, just expect that you're going to take some hits. You're in a battle. You're probably going to get cut. There's no war that ever existed where someone didn't get hurt. And so just expect that a lot of challenges are going to come. It's not going to be easy. But if you don't try, you're never going to win. If you don't try, we'll never overcome these things that are just ruining us. Ruining our state of mind, ruining our lives, ultimately. Mental afflictions aren't just going to go away easily. We have to really fight them. And so what he's saying here is that by beating the mental afflictions, we're actually better than someone who's actually going to war. Because people who are going to war, they're only killing corpses. What he means by that is everyone's marching towards death. They're gonna die anyways, so they died a little bit earlier. It's not some huge accomplishment. But overcoming mental afflictions, huge accomplishment. Very few people are even trying to do this. reread that contemplation I think we have okay we're just about done um, we're locked in combat with mental afflictions and in war many wounds are sustained ignore then any pains that might come smash the foes of anger and such conquering these is the thing that makes a warrior 
The rest are only killing corpses. One more slide, and then well, I think we'll end with a short meditation. I love I love a guide to the Bodhisattva's way of life too, because Master Shandi Deva. Like we were saying, he likes the analogy of war, so it feels like all of these feel like you're going to get fired up and like go kick some ass. That's what they feel like, you know? I'm glad this happened. Now I can turn this situation into something better. So all of these have like a lot of power behind them, which is motivating. Here we're going to talk about the three kinds of patience. Okay, so the first one say loudly, Duknyo, Dangdu, Lempe Supa. This is probably the opposite of what we do most of our lives. Suffering, take it gladly, patience. I'm glad this happened. Now I can turn this situation into something better. It happened either way. It's either, oh my God, this is so terrible and we whine about it for a long time and are upset. Or we take it a different way. You know, maybe it's a combo. We can take it the other way. I'm glad this happened. Now I can turn it into something better. Something bad happens. How can we turn it into something positive? Like I was saying, the, the lady that I work with has an amazing ability to do this. We can think, awesome, I just got fired. Now I can go get a new job that I really like. Mm -hmm. Or now I have a new opportunity. It is true. Maybe we don't totally believe it, but how does it change our experience? How does it change our life? I'm glad I got sick. Now I have a time to, sh or I have like a chance to show everyone what a bodhisattva I am. How much I can practice patience. Avoid getting upset. I'm glad they give me all the crappy jobs at the Dharma Center because I get to serve other people. I'm glad I broke up with my boyfriend because now I have the opportunity to find someone who's really good fit. You know, like all these different things. Everybody has these things happen in their lives. So how can we work with them and um, turn them into something helpful? It doesn't mean that we enjoy them. or I mean, actually, from what the teachings say, there is a point in your practice where you do welcome all the difficulties because they don't come very often anymore. And you know it's a time where you get to progress and learn. So I think... On the way there, we're kind of up and down. Some of them kind of kick us around, and then others were able to think, okay, this is actually good. I may be really upset about it, but it is good because now I'm free of this um, crappy job that I've been working for 10 years or whatever. Now I can find something else. They did me a favor by firing me because obviously I wasn't going to quit. You know, whatever is happening... 
So we have some kind of inner resources that we can draw on. The second say chula nyepar seme. Chula Stupa. The patience that concentrates on the Dharma. I will restrain my anger because I love the Dharma so much. So we have some kind of Dharma drive. Where no matter what comes up, it doesn't matter. Um, all of these obstacles can come up. But we just say, I don't care. I'm a yogi. I'm going to do my practice. I'm going to meditate. It doesn't matter what comes up. And it comes from, this comes from devotion, belief, and a love for the Dharma. Like for the teachings that really speak to your heart, where you hear them and you're like, yes, this is exactly what I thought was true, but I never had words to put to it, or I didn't know exactly how to say it. So it's for those sorts of things. It's some kind of guts that you have about your Dharma study. So that's the second kind of patience. The third, say, Nupa Chepala. Nupa Chepala. Jimi Nyampe. Jimi Nyampe. Supa. So these are, I mean, these are all hard. This third one, when someone does something bad to you, I could care less patience. Okay, so that's what the Tibetan means. No problem. Something crappy happens. Someone does something really bad to me. I'll just find a way around it. You don't get upset in a certain way. Who cares what they do? I actually had this happen recently, and it, it doesn't usually happen like this, so it felt really wrong. Like, I was like, is there something wrong here? Because someone did something that other people found upsetting, but I didn't at all. I didn't really care. Mm -hmm. Not like I didn't care about the person, but I was just like, I mean, it's unfortunate if they, they think this, you know, that they feel this way. Um, and it really was like this. It was like I didn't get upset about it. So, it's not exactly this third one, but this is what it reminds me of. So, the difficulties are coming up, but who cares what this other person does? It's not like I don't care about them. That's a little bit different. It's like they're doing their own thing. They're having their own things come up, it seems like, maybe negativities. How does that affect me? You know, I can have compassion for them and help them. It doesn't mean I have to get upset about it. Okay, you're having a difficult time. How can I help you? Not like, oh, I'm so pissed at you for saying this. There's just no point in it. And it takes a lot of hearing it and thinking about it, meditating like we were saying. It won't just happen from hearing it one time, but it does make an impression hearing it one time. So basically, we just think, okay, and it's kind of comical. I'm having a bad time. How can I turn this around? I'm so grateful that I have such lousy friends. 
because they challenge me, they push me. Other people aren't doing that. And probably, in a way, we're not really grateful for having lousy friends, but we're practicing, and it feels a lot better than saying, my friends are really crappy and they treat me terribly. You know, like, that just, that's not helpful for practice or for anyone. So when we're saying yes to the situation, it creates totally different opportunities, and um, we can see different things. So it opens the door to a different way of viewing our world. So as opposed to saying, oh my God, I just got fired. You know, like, that's so shitty. I can't believe what am I going to do. Maybe we do that a little bit. What does it feel like to say, awesome, I got fired from this job and now I get to go find a new job that may be way better. It's just such a different, energetically, it just feels really different too. It doesn't mean we're not struggling with things. It's not saying to push down feelings that come up or not experience emotions arising or um, deal with things, but we're reframing it. And it's, that's why practice is really tricky. So we'll probably will go through times where we are pushing down things and then we'll have the training hopefully to realize and then we'll go to the other side where we're um, maybe practicing in a little more balanced way. So we can think, awesome, I have all these annoying people at work. I have this crappy office I'm working in. Uh, there's all these angry people on the street. Great, I get to practice. It's an opportunity. So it's a, that's one way of practicing. It can be really helpful too. Sometimes, you know, sometimes it doesn't work, and then we use something different, some different practice. So these are all kind of about having this, um, like taking control of your life in a way, and having this mindset of a warrior. Nothing's going to stop me from practicing. Nobody can force me not to practice. I'm in control of my own mind. People can do things to me on the outside, but ultimately... I'm the boss of my, of my world, of my destiny. You know, to whatever degree I have control in that moment. Which sometimes it's not much. Something really strong comes up sometimes. And we just get, like, you know, carried away with it. And it's okay. And then we get back on the practice wheel and start practicing again. And then we get carried away. And then over time, the amount of time we're carried away is just less and less and less. And then practice becomes really steady. Until there's um, really no time that we're not practicing. It's just integrated into our whole life and our being, even when we're sleeping. Okay. Let's end with just a short meditation. Does anyone have any questions or comments? Anything they want to say before we meditate? Okay. So we'll do a short meditation and then at the end of 
Belinda will, I'll say when, and then Belinda will lead us in the prayers. So for the closing prayers, you say the first part once and the second part once. Just relax the part of your mind that's thinking or struggling with digesting information. And get this sense that this whole lineage of teachings is just being poured into your being. all the way back to the Buddha himself. This unbroken lineage. It's like this golden light, this nectar that's filling up your whole body. seeping into every nook and cranny, permeating your heart, mind. Leaving you feeling nourished and strong and wise. natural inclination from there is to want to offer it to the world. From this golden ball of light at your heart, all this light radiates out in all directions, touching the hearts of everyone in this room, lifting their pain traveling out to everyone in this building. And all of Sacramento, all these people's pain just completely lifted. Traveling out as far as you can, the whole state, country, the world. When you start to feel that it's kind of a push, then you can let this light start to withdraw back into your body. Slowly, slowly. This light melting back into the heart center. us in the prayers, you're offering your whole practice with
with the highest understanding of emptiness that you can gather to reaching full awakening in this life for the benefit of others. Puki chukshin metokchan Rira blinkshin yendeg yampadi Sange shingdu mekte uwargi Jokun amdak shingla chuparshuk Yadam guru radna mandalakam Gewa <laughs> 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 <laughs>